we are going to jump in Hebrews chapter number two. Let me read the scriptures and then I'll tell you where we're going. Hebrews chapter two, jump there in your Bible. We're thankful for our worship team today. Clap for the worship team, did a great job. Fantastic stuff today. It says this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must, watch these two things. We must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Let me just read those two things again. We must let go. Everybody say let go in the chat. Let go. We got to let go. We got to get that stuff out. We got to let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin which so easily we fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path watch this of God for the path has already been marked out before us so saying two things we got to get rid of this wound that has impacted or affected us and the sin we so easily fall into we got to get rid of those things because you and I are called to run a race now, immediately half the audience is like, if you're preaching about running, I'm not listening because I'm not a runner. Hold on, just, just wait. I'm talking about your spiritual life. I'm talking about the race that God has for your business and God has for your family. Listen, God has not asked you to run a sprint. He has invited you into a marathon. Life is a marathon. And it's filled with ups and downs. It's filled with bumps and bruises. And we have to get good at running our race. The only way we can do this, the Bible's saying, is if we get rid of these, these wounds that have pierced us, our hurts in life, and the sin. So it's wound and it's sin. We've got to get rid of the wounds of the past, wounds of hardship, wounds that maybe you've been pierced by abuse. Maybe you've been pierced by betrayal. Maybe you've been pierced by criticism. Maybe something's wounded you, just pierced your life. You've got to get rid of that wound and let God heal it. Maybe you've fallen into sin and you're like, I'm an addict. I've, I keep doing the same dumb things in my life. God is saying, get rid of the wound and get rid of the sin because with these things, you'll be bogged down. You can't run your race. In fact, I want to preach a message. Write down the title of today's message. It's one of the book chapters. It's called Don't Break Your Stride. I love that. Don't break your stride. I don't know if you've ever ran before, but I've got back into running. In fact, I was on a phone call with one of my friends in New York City this last week, and this guy's like, uh, I'm like, how's your day going? He's like, good, man. Just went running 11 miles. I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. First of all, I didn't know you are a runner, and my man, you ran 11 miles today? He's like, yep, just went 11-mile run. Just I've been running five, six, seven miles every day, and today I just did 11. And you ever hear somebody say something to you, you're like, um, I am so challenged by that because I haven't ran since March. I was like, all right, fine. So this week I picked back up my running and I did not get over three miles, but I did go on a few runs. And um, it's amazing when you start running. Um, I didn't realize this. In fact, the other day I went on a run and I was like, Julia, come on, let's go on a run. We, we have our little, our little path that we run. And I was like, come on, let's go on a run together. Couples run, which means I run and then she runs and then we meet back up six minutes later. And so I went on my run and then, and then she went on her run and, and, and we, we get there and we both look like we're about to 
puke. <laughs> and, and so she's like, oh, look at my splits. We use the Nike app. She's like, look at my split times. And so she's showing me her first mile, second mile, third mile times. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know we could do this on the app. So I got on my app, and I was like, look at, and like the first mile that I ran, your boy was in the sixes, you know, six-minute miles. I was like, okay, because I ran down a hill. <laughs> Second mile's like, oh, you almost got into the eights. How'd you go from the sixes to the eights? And mile three is like seven. But it's like, it's amazing when you get running, eventually after you're done hawking up a lung, you eventually you get into this stride. You get into this rhythm where you're like, I actually feel kind of good. As long as I don't hit wind or heels, I'm going to run pretty good. You get into this stride. Life is about figuring out your stride. I just want to encourage you, don't let anything break your stride. The reason why you can't hold on to offenses and the reason why you can't fall into sin is because it's going to break your forward progress. It's going to break the momentum that you need. I'm here to talk today about what the gospel of Jesus Christ does in your life. It fills you up to overflow. It puts the wind of heaven at your back. Maybe you were struggling and you were stuck, and maybe you were defeated or depressed. When Jesus gets a hold of you, he starts unearthing these things. He says, I got to heal the wound. I got to get rid of the sin so you can't break your stride. I don't know what Marsh looked like for you. Someone the other day was like, tell me about the peanut butter and jelly craze that you were into. I'm like, I'll tell you about the peanut butter and jelly craze. Do you remember? when you would go to the grocery store and there was nothing on the shelves? Julia went one day and she was like, she bought so many eggs and so much bread and so much peanut butter and jelly. And we are just like, this is like Y2K all over again. And there was like, we just stocked up. So I just started eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because I didn't know what else we had in the house. And I didn't know how long we would have to stay in our house. After like a week or two of eating them, I posted a photo. I was like, this is all I've been eating every day. And then much to my surprise, shouldn't have been, people have opinions about how you eat food. You're doing it all wrong, Pastor Chad. You shouldn't have creamy. You should have crunchy. Oh, is that white bread? Oh, you should have sourdough. No, you should have wheat. No, you should have gluten fray. People just, opinions just started pouring in. I'm like, well, tomorrow maybe I'll follow one of their opinions and make a different PB&J. So I made a different PB&J day two. Everybody's like, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong every day. I never did one day where everybody's like, yep, you finally nailed it. So many opinions in the world. But the reality is, is that when COVID-19 hit all of our lives, is that some of us lost our stride. You were living a good life. You were going pretty strong. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I don't have a job. I don't have a social life. I don't have a church I can attend physically. I can't go to my connect group. I can't serve anymore. And you lost your momentum. Today I want to talk to you about not letting life circumstance determine your pace. Because you got to continue in the pace of grace. That God's got something great for you. Saying, Do you hear what the Bible is saying? God's already laid out a race for your life. There's no way you can run your race. God hasn't called you to run your parents' race or your pastor's race, your friend's race, or your neighbor's race. He's got a race for you. And the only way you can run your race is by letting God heal your wounds and free you of your sin. You get all that 
garbage off of you. You get all that junk. This last week, I went and played pickleball. I'm so into pickleball. And so we go to get all the stuff at Dick's Sporting Good. And, and my friend, wanted, he was from out of town. He, and Carl Lenz, he wanted, he wanted to play pickleball. So we go to the Nike store, and he buys the shortest, most aerodynamic shorts you have ever imagined in your life. I'm like, bro, I don't know if these are a property. He's like, no, I can move in them. I'm like, yeah, but I'm distracted when you move. That's what I don't like. It's like in order for you to move and get your momentum and run your race, you're going to have to lose some stuff. And some of you are so weighted down by wounds and sin, you can't run. God is saying, don't break your stride. It's time to run again. Maybe you've been on the couch like me. You know what? Just start. I'm like, all right. I don't know what my split times are, Julia, but I'm going to run this week. And I know I'm going to hawk them along, but I'm going to run this week because I got to get back in my momentum. Let me pray for you today and believe that God will come and encourage you to get back up and fight your fight and run your race. Zoe, hear me today. As a church, we are getting back up out of the ashes, and we're about to fight, and we're about to run. Not because we've called ourselves, anointed ourselves, or ourselves proclaimed. No, God already determined this is the path. This is your race. This is your plan. I know what I have for you. There's no way you can step into it with wounds and sin. So the first thing he does, it says, I'm going to heal you, and I'm going to free you, and then I'm going to release you into your God-given potential. Come on, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you are awesome. We thank you that we have a cloud of witnesses, the great people of faith that have gone before us as heaven watches, as you watch, as the cloud of witnesses watch. God, give us encouragement today to run our race, to fight our fight. We thank you. You are for us and you are with us and we receive your love together. And God, thank you that the Lakers will run their race all the way to an NBA championship in the bubble. In Jesus' name and everybody said together. I feel a lot of faith right there. Put it in the chat. Go, Lakers. If you're a hater, don't say nothing at all. If you're like, oh, but I'm a, you know, I'm a Heat fan. Okay, keep it to yourself. We're Laker fans in our church, which is why the anointing of God rests in them. Amen. I'm going to give you a few things to identify today. This is what this chapter does is identify some things that really slow down your life. Things that could potentially break your stride. Because life is about momentum. Getting that momentum. Getting, getting a few good decisions under your belt. Getting a few wins under your belt to build some momentum moving forward. Give you a few things that like, hey, you know what, this stuff, if you don't deal with it, it's going to really mess with your life. Write down number one, relational conflict. Rel- listen, I'm okay with conflict as long as it resolves. Conflict is inevitable, but you got to choose to forgive. Watch this in Proverbs. I love this scripture. It says this in Proverbs 18, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Conflict. Have you ever had a relationship that had a fallout, had a disagreement, Even the Bible refers to such sharp disagreement between church leaders that they split ways and they were never friends again. So it doesn't matter if you love God. Arguments are going to happen. Disagreements are inevitable. And you got to make a decision. Am I going to just live with the wound or am I going to choose to forgive? 
Life is about, am I going to get bitter or am I going to get better? The Bible teaches us to live at peace with all people to the best of your ability. So just because someone changed their opinion of you doesn't mean you have to change your opinion of them. It's called being the bigger person. It's called eating humble pie. It's called just saying, you know what? I'm going to walk in humility. I'm going to walk in grace. And I'm going to choose to be a friend even when people don't want to be my friend. And I, I got I to gotta, I gotta fight for the person that's offended. Why? Because I don't want relational conflict to break my stride. I'm going to do everything I can to live at peace. One of our board members, I was with him recently, Dave Patterson. He's up in California. And he was saying every Sunday when he gets into the church service, he, does it, he makes it a value that every time he preaches, his conscience is clean, that he's never up there ministering God's word, feeling like, you know, so-and-so's mad, so-and-so's offended, so-and-so. He said, I could never stand in my pulpit and preach knowing that I had all these issues and all this conflict. You know, you ought to make it your resolve that whatever you do for work, whatever you do for business, don't go do that thing until you do the real thing. And that's the people thing. I love this book, Help I Work With People, because we're saying we value humans over activity. It's people over progress. So I choose to resolve my issues. I choose to forgive the one that offended me. I choose to reach out via text, or FaceTime, or whatever it is, to say, hey, can we have a convo? Can we talk? Because I know I want to bring great harmony, great unity. You ever notice how you just don't feel right when there's conflict? Some of you, the biggest problem is right now you're like, I love conflict. Everybody's like, that's why we're afraid of you. You love conflict, something's wrong. You should love harmony. You should love peace. Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. It doesn't say blessed are those that stir up controversy and always get people angry. No, are you a bridge builder? Are you a peacemaker? You just got tons of relational conflict. Because I love what Jesus says. The disciples come to Jesus one time like, Jesus, we see you praying. We don't know how to pray. Teach us how to pray. He says, all right, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. The one that always resolves conflict recognizes I'm broken, I need forgiveness, I have issues. How can I hold on to offenses from them? No, I want to encourage you in our church, let's always be those. Conflict is going to happen, but let's resolve our conflict. When we started Zoe Church, we, we, we had a five-year celebration last Sunday. It was an unbelievable celebration, and, and I'm proud of our church. We're five years old, but when we started Zoe Church, we said, let's be the church that fights for each other, not with each other. If you come to our church, we make this our value. We don't want to fight with you. We want to fight for you. we got enough people fighting with us. We need to be a church that's fighting for us. I'm fighting for your kids, for your calling, for your race, for your family. Come on, clap from your house right now. If you're down to be somebody, I'm fighting for you. We're fighting for your best life. We're fighting for your future. We're fighting for that wound to get healed, and we're fighting for that sin to get free and forgiven because we know there is something on your life. Every one of us in our church has a unique calling, a unique grace, a unique gift, and a unique future, and I need some people in my life that are going to fight for me, not with me. Amen to that? Write down number two, financial pressure. Half the room just went, mmm. 
2020, financial pressure. The reality is, is that all of us go through times where it's like financially, whoop, just got real tight. Well, that's just, that, and this money can break your stride. Now, I want to encourage you in two thoughts real fast. Number one, the Bible teaches us in Philippians 4, put it there on the screen. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. So God does not meet your needs according to your money or your riches. It's according to his riches. And the Bible teaches us that my God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. In other words, the earth is the Lord's and all that is within it. God's got enough money. He can take care of you. God has enough resource. You're just fine. And the Bible says in Matthew 6, if God can take care of birds and God can take care of grass and they're actually more splendorous than Solomon in all of his glory, if God can take care of stuff, he can take care of you. So God can supply your need. God is a good God. God can take care of you financially. It is no problem. But let me just encourage you. When you tithe, when you, when you obey God's word, it just kind of is that thing that like doesn't break my stride when it comes to financial pressure because I know God promised me that if I bring my tithe to his house, he'll open the windows of heaven. So I don't ever, Julie and I are never under financial stress. Zoe Church, we are never under financial stress. We're, we are a resource church because we have faithful tithers. And when you tithe, you're not under that pressure. You're not under that stress. But money is that thing. We don't serve money. We serve God. We don't bow down to a spirit of mammon. Psalm 20, verse 7, put it on the screen. Our trust is in the name of the Lord. We don't trust in riches. We don't trust in money. We trust in God. Financial pressure is that thing that if you're a bad steward of it and you get all of a sudden in major debt, credit card debt, you feel this strain, you feel this financial pressure. I want to encourage you if COVID-19 and 2020 has been a financial year of hardship, God is good. The Bible says I've never seen the righteous forsaken. God is going to take care of you. You're a child of God. He will show up in the best, most unexpected ways. But man, when money gets tight, it's like, well, well, I just, I, we got to stop. No, no, no. Don't break your stride. Keep sowing. Keep giving. Keep loving. Keep serving. I don't bow down to money. I bow down to God. I got a race in front of me, and it's a race of faith. It's a race of gratitude. It's a race of excellence. It's a race of generosity. And I'm not letting my bank account slow down my faith. I've got a race in front of me. It's a marathon. I might have been wounded by this situation. I might have got some sin in my life, but I'm going to get free from the financial burden. God is my provider. I've not been called to provide for myself. No, God, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, God gives you the power to get wealth. What is that saying? God gives you strength. He gives you ideas. He gives you creativity. He gives you gifting. He puts you in relationship. He gives you the power. So my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches. He is rich in creativity. He is rich in opportunity. He is ri- he's got everything. And so God will bless you and take care of you beyond your wildest imagination. Trust in God, not in you. So it's relational conflict that breaks our stride. It's financial pressure that breaks our stride. Write down number three. I love this one. It's unexpected circumstances. Like when COVID-19 hit, I was in Alabama, sweet home Alabama. I was on my way to Sweden, and on my way, I'm like, I don't think 
I'm going to make my trip to Sweden. So I reached out to Hillsong Sweden. I'm like, guys, I don't think this trip's going to happen. They go, yeah, the government just shut down churches. You can't come. I go back to L.A. on the flight. It's like America shut down. And all of a sudden, it's like, this is unexpected. I was saying last night in our house, I wish I could go back to the beginning of COVID and been like, if I'm going to be in my house for this long, I would have just enjoyed it more. I was a little bit on, on edge, uptight, like, oh, give me another PB&J. The reason why it kind of broke my stride is it was unexpected. I was expected to be in Sweden. I was expecting to be in this place, that place, do this, go there. We, we, we had all kinds of stuff lined up. And life has this way of surprising you. It's like, I didn't see that coming. And that unexpected circumstance can throw a wrench in your momentum. David's on his way to go give his brothers some bread, and this Goliath is out there. He's like, oh, I wasn't planning on killing a Goliath or fighting on behalf of my army nation, but fine. Joseph was on his way to go visit his brothers, and he gets thrown into a pit. So much of life circumstance is not planned. Oh, Noah's just minding his own business. God shows up. He's like, build an ark. We're going to need it. I'm going to flood the earth. He was, life is unexpected. And you can't let your circumstances define you. We let our faith determine our circumstance, not our circumstance determine our faith. So you got to rise above it. You say, you know what? It's unexpected. This, this finance, this fallout, this hardship, this wound, this, I didn't expect my life to be here, but I'm going to rise above in looking to Jesus and trusting my God. Oh, I love this in James 4. Watch this scripture. This is a beautiful scripture. James 4. And now I have a word for you who brashly announce, today, at the latest, tomorrow, we're off to such and such a city for the year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You're not but a wisp of fog catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, make it a habit to say this. If the master wills it and we're still alive, we'll do this or we'll do that. The reality is, is that God is a God of surprises. He surprises you not with terrible circumstances like pits or Goliaths or situations that are overwhelming like COVID-19. No, he'll surprise you with grace. He'll surprise you with opportunity. He'll surprise you with blessing. He'll surprise you with revelation. He'll surprise you with new mercy. But most of us, we are like, I am a planner, and I've got my plan, and come hell or high water, I'm going to force my plan. And God's like, can you give me your plan so I can throw it out the window? Because my plan is better than your plan, and my ways are better than your ways. And maybe you needed an unexpected circumstance for an unexpected awakening. You know, I've never trusted God like this. I've never needed God so much in my life. I've never clung to Jesus as much as I have. And I didn't know 2020 would bring the death of Kobe Bryant or Chadwick Bosman. I didn't know that we'd go into such racial unrest in our country. I didn't realize that we'd go through a pandemic for six months, let alone maybe even nine months. And this unexpected circumstance has turned out to be an unexpected blessing. It's changed me. I didn't let it break my, don't let 2020 break your stride. The enemy wants to break you down and he will use anything 
that he can. If he has to use a relationship, we use a relationship. If he can use money, he will get you into the worst situation financially. But he loves unexpected circumstance. Unexpected circumstance is an opportunity for us to lift our eyes to Jesus and to trust him more. Oh, I see Daniel in the lion's den trusting Jesus. I see Noah on that ark saying, God, I don't know when it's going to break, but I trust in you. I see Jonah in the middle of the belly of a whale just going like, all right, God, you win. I didn't expect ever to be in the belly of a whale, but I turn to you. Let your circumstance be an opportunity for faith. We don't know what tomorrow brings. Not promised tomorrow. Life is filled with unexpected. I hope you live the life of the unexpected. I never expected Zoe to be this good. I never expected to turn our ministry center into a recording studio. I never expected to write a leadership book. I never expected to have a family of four. I never expected to live a life that I live. But I know God has been better. He has been greater. Come on, somebody praise him today because God is good. And if you don't live with that kind of mindset, you're going to stop running your race. You're going to stop seeing the thing that God has. No, no, God's got a cloud of witnesses. God has a race for your life. Don't break your stride. Just keep on running. Keep on loving. Keep on giving. Keep on pouring out. Don't stop. In fact, I live by this motto. If you don't quit, you win. He's got to keep going. One foot in front of the other. In the NFL for running backs, they literally count yards after contact. So they know that the running back, as soon as he gets that ball, they don't expect him to go just untouched all the way to the end zone. They know he's going to get hit. There's going to be some lineman, some linebacker, some cornerback, some safety. He's going to get smacked. It's not about getting smacked. It's about how many yards can you get after contact. Okay, so you had a fallout. Okay, you had a disagreement. Okay, you had an unexpected circumstance. Keep on going. It's yards after circumstance. The circumstance doesn't matter. You matter. Can you keep going? Keep running your race. Keep love. Keep smiling. Feel like, how do you keep smiling? I don't know. It just feels good. Keep being you because I believe I'm not defined by my circumstance. I am defined by my calling. God has called me to do something on the earth. I have a reason why I live. I have purpose on the planet, and I know it's not this circumstance. It's something bigger, and it's something better, because I know that God called me by name. He brought me out of darkness into light. He pulled me out of a pit, set my feet upon a rock, put a new song in my mouth. Many are going to see, and they're going to hear, not about my circumstance. They're going to hear about my God. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I want to encourage you, don't stop. If I sing, I'd sing, don't stop till you get enough. Come on. But I don't sing. So let's keep it about Jesus. Don't stop. Here's the fourth one, the last one, moral failure. Moral failure is that thing that, did you see what the Bible said in Hebrews 12 too? You got to get rid of, you got to let go of two things. The wounds that pierce us and the sin that's so easily entangles. Yep. Sin is that thing that's like, wow, that was really, fall, really easy to fall into that. It was really easy just to, wow, how did I? Paul the Apostle said this way, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I say I'll never do, that's what I do. We are all sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
The reality is, is that you're going to have sin, but you're not defined by it. Oh, I love this, this proverb here. Look at this in the book of Proverbs. This is beautiful. For though the righteous man falls seven times, he keeps rising. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. No, no, you might fall seven times. Get back up again. Maybe you're like, I fell during COVID. I fell in 2020. I fell prey. I fell victim. I fell into this mindset. I fell into stinking thinking. I fell into this, this habit. I fell into this. That's all right. Get back up. God didn't ask you to stay down. He said, get back up. Though a righteous man falls seven times. That's a lot of falling. That's a lot of stumbling. But God didn't say, you know what, you're a loser. You keep falling. You keep stumbling. No, you can't. he said, come on, grab my hand. Get a hold of grace. I'll pull you out. Somebody thank him today. I am not defined by my failure. The people that impress me are the ones that get up from mistake. And say, I might have made a mistake, but I am not a mistake. I am called. I am the righteousness of God. How can you make a mistake and be in sin and be righteous? I am righteous not based upon my behavior. I am righteous based upon my belief. I didn't earn a righteousness. I was given a righteousness. My righteousness is not on the pedestal of my behavior. My righteousness is imputed to me by Jesus Christ from the cross of Calvary. I am righteous and I am before God. Listen, there is nothing you have done, nothing you have touched, nothing you have smoked, nothing you have partaken in that has removed your righteousness. You are righteous before God. When you come before God today, God looks down at you and he is pleased with you. He looks down at you and he smiles at you. He says, that is righteous. You are right before me. Ask anything you want. Bring your request to me. Why? Because you're righteous. That's why I don't like self-righteous. You ever meet someone that's like, I'm, I, I deserve it because I've been, I've been doing this and I've been doing that. No, no, no. Your activity does not qualify you for a blessing. Look at Isaiah. Oh, I just love this scripture. Isaiah 64. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Your righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. Yesterday, we were having some guests over, and Julia and I cleaned our house as fast as we could. We were using Windex but we didn't realize our Windex had been replaced with Clorox in the Windex sprayer. And so we cleaned the windows, a mess. I'm like, Julia, what happened? She's like, I don't know. We did it again. We got a lot of windows in our house, a mess. So what in the world? This is Windex flipped around the bottle, replaced with Clorox. That's the issue. Couldn't get it clean. You can't get so clean by your activity and your do-goodism, and your behavior, and your morals. As morally fit as you are, you are a failure before God. Because all of us have sinned, and that's why we needed a Savior. That's why we needed a cross. That's why we needed the blood of Jesus that washes us as white as snow. I could have used the blood of Jesus on the windows last night. But the reality is, is that you let your moral failure break your stride participate in this sin. I did this activity. Why did you put yourself in timeout when God didn't put you in timeout? Some of you are like, I, I just, I, I, I got to take a break. I got to break my stride, you know, because I just, um, I, I, I messed up and I told God I would never do that again. So guys, just church, just give me a couple months. I'm, I'm, I got to sit this out. I, I, I really, I, I did a, I did a big one as if there's little sin and big sin. You know, this one was a big one. What was it, a lie? No, no, bigger than that. 
and so you, you break your stride. My question to you is, as you're sitting there on the sidelines, has God put you there or have you put you there? Because my God is not a God of punishment. He's not a God of timeouts. He's not a God that says, stop running, man. He got some real issues. We all have issues. We all have sin. You can't let your moral failure stop you from turning to Jesus and saying, can you get me out of this sin? I'm tangled up. I'm not saying you don't have sin, and I'm not saying you're not tangled. I'm saying what the writer of the book of Hebrews said. You got to get that wound healed, and you got to get untangled from sin because you got a race to run. You got something that is so big on your life. You got, you got something that's so great in your future. And there's no way you're going to finish the race with all that wound and all that sin. And so what does he ask you? He says, you need to look to me. You need to look to me. Because I'm the solution. I can help you. I'm your savior. I am your source. He offers a hand to the one that's sitting in the crowd. Get in the race. Get in the race. Get in the race. No, no, that's for the like the good people, you know, the Christians. <laughs> good news. You're just like them. Can we debunk the myth that there are perfect Christians? It doesn't exist. Yeah, but they like quote scripture. Yeah, and they sin like you. Yeah, but they look so spiritual and holy when they worship. Yeah, but they're broken just like you. There's no such thing as someone that doesn't need Jesus. We all need Jesus. Let let me just go back. Worship team, you could join me. Hebrews 12, same chapter. I just want to read it from the message translation. I love this. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Did you notice how he did it? He could put up with anything along the way. Relational conflict, he said he could put up with it. All kinds of moral sin going on, he could put, he just kept his eyes on God. Oh, I love this. He he, he put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again and again, item by item. That long litany of hostility, he plowed through it. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. What I'm trying to get is some adrenaline into your soul. Because I'm telling you, when you start running, you need that adrenaline to kick in. When you start moving again, you need that adrenaline to kick in. That's like, I'm going to keep running. I'm, I don't know what my split times are. I don't even care. I'm going to keep on moving one foot in front of the other. This is yards after circumstance. And I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. 
I don't know what you've been up against and I don't know what's coming against you right now but I want to tell you God has a plan for your life and you don't let it break your stride don't let it break your just keep on running keep on going one foot in front of the other it was amazing Monday my first run I was like <sighs> like just like I hope nobody sees me because I look like I'm about to die Tuesday I'm like I got a little momentum got a feeling this Wednesday I'm like let's go record time because it's just you got to get momentum you got to just don't break your stride come on let's get your lungs back let's get your faith back let's get your swag back let's get your holy confidence back let's get your belief in you back let's get your love for God back come on in your house stand to your feet right now I don't know what you're up against.